Dublin's Talking Sport with Ken Doherty and Reggie Corrigan. Sponsored by insuremycars.ie. Low cost car insurance specialists. See how much you can save at insuremycars.ie. On Sunshine 106.8. Dublin's Talking Sports. Welcome to Dublin's Talking Sports podcast with me, Ken Doherty, and my good friend, Reggie Corrigan. Thanks for tuning in to catch up on the latest GAA, football, rugby, and all the crack. Enjoy the show, and don't forget, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, Reg. How are you? Never better. Another cracker here in Dublin, I have to say. Sun splitting the stones. 21 degrees on the clock in the car coming in this morning at 7 o'clock in the morning. Not too bad, is it? Yeah, I'm in London next morning and just dropping Christian back to school. So I'm in the car. Hope the noise isn't too bad. But yeah, wonderful uh, weather. I was back home and playing in Sea Point up in the Legends Pro-Am on uh, a couple of days ago. It was magnificent, Rash. The weather is magnificent. Thanks for the nod. Cheers. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you play well? The way, you're, the way you're playing golf, I don't know. You might have won the pro-up. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we were beaten yesterday, I must say. I played Druid's Glen yesterday. Magnificent. Oh, yeah. I have to get you down there soon. The course is I out of this world. Done a great job to it. Out of this world, it's beautiful now, it really is. Very, very enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, so we had a great yeah, day yeah, down there yesterday with the gang of lads. So um, didn't no, win the money, true. but we, we played well. But uh, we were beaten by bandits. <laughs> that's the only way to describe it, as usual, Let's bandits. Around, but, uh, yeah, if you get a chance, I mean, the, the pro-am there for the, the legends, which are the over 50s. I played with uh, Stephen Dodd on Wednesday and the uh, former Irish Open winner and a Smurford European Open winner. Lovely lad from Wales. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a wonderful day. It's actually a beautiful course up there, Sea Point. There's some beautiful holes along the coast, and it runs uh, a couple of holes um, next to Baltray as well. Yeah. And uh, so if you're not doing that, get yourself up there and watch some of the the, uh, the golf over the weekend. It's going to be magnificent. You know, it's I, great I was just going to say man. that the uh, legends on this weekend up there. Yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, Friday and Saturday. Today is. I think the last day today, I think it's over two days. No, the other Sunday, I think, three days. Okay, excellent. Okay, well, we'll have to keep an eye out on that. Um, yeah, yeah. But I suppose you're watching a bit of the Travellers as well. Rory not going too bad, uh, but Lowry, yeah. okay. Uh, plenty happening in that. Uh, I mean, Rory so unlucky uh, last week. Last week, last yeah. week, yeah. I thought he was going to do it, to be honest. You know, so I did think, I. You know, going down the stretch against uh, Wyndham Clark, I thought... You know, with his experience and his power that, you know, he was just, just some shots he's just already given away, Reg, you know? Mm. Yeah, it was. Just, I mean, you know, one of those times when you think it's just not going to be your day. I mean, he couldn't really have done a whole lot more. Maybe one putt that probably should have gone in, but um, it just felt like it was just not going to be his day. And he seems to be having a lot of those, but he's, he's just so close the whole time. Yeah, he is. He's very, very consistent. He's driving the ball amazingly well. I think it's just down to his, his you know, this putting, his close game. And, uh, you know, but you, you just thought with his experience that he put the pressure on, on sort of a, someone who's been playing really well with him, Clark. But, uh, you know, you think in a situation like that, US Open is a big opportunity for another major Ferrari, you know? Yeah, well, you know, the the good news, of course, is Leona Maguire managed to get yeah. her uh, PGA championship um 
going and another fantastic victory I mean the, the quality of golf she produced at the moment and, and maybe not quite as good at the moment in the um, where is she at the moment she's in New Jersey I think is the, is the one they're on this week but uh, not quite there this week but last week absolutely incredible yeah brilliant absolutely uh, she's done amazingly well over the last few years but she you know uh, another victory for her last week and uh, you know she's becoming one of the top well she is one of the top ladies golfers in the world and it's, it's great to see you know flying the flag for Ireland as well it's brilliant yeah well, I'm going to be talking to Brian Keogh from the Irish Golf Desk uh, a little bit later in the show and catching up with him about all of the various different things, but in particular talking about that Leona Maguire and her quality, quality at the moment. And uh, it's a big deal, you know. There really is, in, in, in that women's uh, tour, there's so much competition, like the quality that they're up against all the time. It's a big deal that she's up there the yeah. whole time pushing, uh, and Stephanie Meadows as well. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll be talking to Branchio about that. Um, did you get a bit a chance to watch Monday night? And uh, we got there, beat Gibraltar 3-0. A, a lot of pressure on Stephen Kenny going yeah. into it. I think may, maybe you know he's been given a little bit of breathing space now after that. Yeah, and I feel, I feel a bit sorry for him in a way, you know, because a lot of stories in the paper the news during the week about Chris Hewden being tipped as the next manager it's not very fair on a manager who's already in his in position like Stephen Kenny you know he doesn't need that sort of uh, attention media attention but I suppose the questions are always going to be asked until he starts getting like proper results against some of the some of the better teams you know he's always got to beat Gibraltar yeah but uh, it, it was sort of the, the moral of the defeat against you know, Greece. They came so close against France. We were very unlucky. But uh, yeah, I think he definitely should stay until the end of this campaign and then make a, an assessment of it. Uh, but I just think it's a little bit unfair about all the hype about Chris Hewton in the papers and during the week, you know. Yeah, but uh, like last week, we had Alan Cawley on here and we were talking. And, you know, the, the general feeling from a lot of the pundits and a lot of the people like Alan that we were talking about are talking to about this was that you know the game is probably up um, the results just you know if they're not good enough and uh, you know he's going to be under serious pressure and I think everybody knew we were going to beat Gibraltar if we couldn't have beaten Gibraltar I don't think he'd be in the job this week so uh, I don't think that win takes away the pressure I suppose it's just a case of holding tight now and seeing how the next games go Exactly, yeah, and that's why I think he should at least wait until the end of this campaign and uh, and see what happens, and uh, hopefully that he can get some decent results. Oh, big game during the week. There was plenty of nerves, and uh, Ireland had to work hard to come from behind to get a wonderful victory against Zambia. Um, I'm delighted now to be joined with thanks to Sport Endorse, the platform that connects all elite athletes with brands globally, by the hero of that night, Amber Barrett. Good morning, Amber. How are you? Good morning, Reggie. How's things? Oh, things are great. Things are really good. Uh, have to say. Um, Good excitement building up here amongst the sports team and Dublin's Talking Sport for this World Cup. Uh, during the week, there was lots of people uh, going to that game. I know it was a huge turnout for you. Um, a tricky game, these matches, you know, with the World Cup squad being announced next week. Lots of nerves on display, but a wonderful performance by yourself. Two goals and ultimately the victory, 3-2. You must have been happy with that. Yeah, I think everybody was happy, to be honest, to win the game, having been um, having went 1-0 down early in the first half. But I think, as you said, you could definitely see that there's been a lot of nerves around the girls. And I think, you know, because considering what's going to be the squad being named next week, I think you'd be silly if you didn't have any nerves. And 
I think the fact that we were able to put that aside for 90 minutes and go out and put in a good performance against a really tough team and get a nice win as well, especially home and talent in front of our fans is, is, is very special. You mentioned in the fans, I mean, the, the level of support that's starting to build for this team... Um, it was there before qualification, but in particular since that qualification for the World Cup and the level of excitement that's starting to build. Is that really starting to filter through to you guys as well? Are you feeling a bit of the pressure of it? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously with the qualification came such an influx of support and I think the participation of young girls coming into football now has even greatly increased. And of course now we, you know, we hold a huge influence on that there. So we know that we... You know, we don't have just the responsibility to look after ourselves and our own our own careers, but we're also building a path for the next careers of young players to come through. And I think, yeah, we feel it as a small bit of pressure, but it's not one that I think that you know dictates our game or anything like that. There, and to be honest with you, it's a great it's a great it's a great form of pressure to have because you know how good is it to be able to set a new path for young girls coming through so that they can aspire to do what we're doing now. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, you talk about pathways and, and also opportunities. I know you yourself are playing in the, the Freund Bundesliga um, with Turbin Potsdam and, you know, there's other girls playing overseas as well and, and taking those opportunities in, in top leagues. Um, is that kind of... Uh, I, I know you're you're used to it, but I suppose a few years back that that opportunity to to go further afield and and play or trade wouldn't have been there as much. So you know that 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 must feel great that, to see that there are those opportunities there for players. Yeah, like you said, when I I think when I started out, I don't think there was anybody playing professional football like properly. Um, and now we even look at our team now. Like a few years ago, it was more it was more dominated by players playing in the in the Irish league. And there's suddenly now that's a very, very small number. And I think even within that, a lot of the girls are aspiring to eventually move abroad because at the minute it's the best opportunity for us to, to get into that professional lifestyle and also get access to more training and, I suppose, better facilities. And it's just that competitiveness of training and playing against better players all the time. And that's, you know, at the end of the day, that is where you, you improve. And I can say safely for myself, that's where I've improved the most is, you know, competing against you know, some of the more class players and having to learn to adapt your game because it's not just so simple as, you know, knocking a ball past people and running on to the end of it. You know, you have really, really good defenders who make it difficult for you. And uh, I think it's a really good way to learn as well. Interesting there what you say about, you know, when you started out playing, it wouldn't have had that professional pathway in the same level that you have now. Has, has it really caught up quickly then, you know, for our listeners, give them an idea of the level of, professionalism is, is it up there on a par with the men in your opinion is it like has it caught up well I think it's it's definitely improved I don't think you know I don't think we at this moment in time we can compare it to the men mm-hmm. um, I think there's probably still that little bit of a gap between the two yep. especially in professional sports you know I know a lot of the girls now um, have played in teams that you know maybe not everybody was a full-time professional player on their team maybe they had girls you know working part-time on top of it and I think until we're able to compensate people who want to work um, at the same time, I think we won't really be fully professional, but we're definitely moving in the right way. Now, I'll ask you a question that might be tricky for you because the squad hasn't been announced, but <laughs> I think I know the answer anyway. Vera Powell, she's come in and had such a strong and wonderful influence on this Irish squad. Um, you know, the players, they, they, must, they, they all seem to be very fond of her. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when, when Vera came in, she just brought a new a new energy and positivity to the team and she adapted a way for us to play and, you know, we've we've worked at it over the last number of years. You know, it didn't happen overnight. You know, we went through a very a very unfortunate period of losing. I think it was like seven or eight games in a row and 
everybody was saying, "Oh, we need to change the manager, and we need to we need to do this. We need to stop playing tougher teams." And Fierce is if we the tougher the teams we play, the better we'll get. And then suddenly, then we start winning games and we go on a really really good run. Start the you know the World Cup campaign with a, one of the games away to Finland, which was a brilliant result to beat Finland away. And then suddenly everybody's saying, "Well, it's great that you played the tougher teams, and even if you lost, you learned something from them." And fear brought that mentality into us, so it's definitely one that we're, we're grateful for as well. I get the impression, uh, although she comes across a very uh, nice person, and she's always got the back of the players and takes responsibility on herself. I'd say behind door, closed doors, she'd be tough enough taskmaster. I think you have to be, though. It's it's, it's it's top level sport at the end of the day, and I think you're never going to get anywhere being sugar coated. And I think that's what Vera's very good at. I think she knows when, you know, to put the arm around you, but also she needs, she knows when she she needs to give you the wagon finger as well. And mm. I think when you have those two combined, you know, it can make a very good relationship with a with a coach. And I think that's what we have as well. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. Okay, I know it's uh, very difficult when when the squad hasn't been announced yet. There's these nervy times, but. Leave it aside the squad announcement in the next week. I think it's the next week it's been announced. Um, you know, is there a, a feeling are you getting from this squad, even the, with the extended squad, because at any stage players could be brought in due to injury or whatever. Is there a feeling that this is a campaign that you can go to confident in the knowledge that you're as good as what you're up against and that you can compete and ultimately that you can get results? Absolutely. I think that's, you know, one thing about this Irish team that we always said that we knew that when we qualified for a major tournament, whether it was the World Cup or the Euros, that we were going to be very difficult to play against. And I think that that's, that's the identity we've went back to and we've established that identity of being really difficult to play against again. And I think when we go down to Australia, we're going to, you know, that's literally going to be our main mantra. And I know rightly, you know, when the draw came out that we looked at the other teams and said, well, you know, they're going to be really, really tough. But I also know in the same respect that they did the same with us. So I think when you have that balance and that, I suppose, inner confidence, knowing that you have a plan that works, um, you know, of course, we're going to relish every opportunity we have down under. Absolutely. Well, we're all really looking forward to it, Amber. Um, it's it's going to lighten, brighten the summer for us. There's no there's no question about it. Um, I want to wish you the very best of luck. Although I have a sneaky suspicion you're 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 going to be on that plane. Uh, but I want to wish you the best of luck with the selections. Anyway, I know no one can take anything for granted. Well done on everything that you've uh, achieved so far, and uh, very good luck in in the World Cup campaign. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that to turn our attention to golf now and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Brian Kyo of the Irish Golf Desk. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Morning, Reggie. I'm good, thank you. Uh, great. I'm d- delighted to hear that. I have to say, uh, a lot of great stuff going on in Irish sport at the moment. Uh, the Women's World Cup uh, just around the corner. The under-20s getting underway, as I said today, in the rugby. Uh, uh, the World Cup in rugby for the seniors getting on a little bit later on this year as well. And I have to say, golf is no different. We're really... Um, Flying the Irish flag well, and Le- no more so than Leona Maguire. What a wonderful performance last week to get that victory, and also leading uh, in the PGA Championship in Baltusrol at the moment. So uh, things are looking good. Absolutely, yeah. It's been a great period for Irish golf. You know, obviously Rory McIlroy going very close in the U.S. Open last week in L.A. So yeah, great stuff from Leona Maguire as well, following on from a win. Um, in in the uh, the major uh, LPGA Classic, and now leading uh, leading a major for the first time. Mm. She's uh, 
quoted as saying that it's uncharted territory leading. She's kind of one of those players that we tend to watch coming from behind to get themselves right up there and making the challenge towards the end. So uh, this might be a little bit trickier for her having to get out in front and stay there. Yeah, she's you know she's 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 just taking a one hole at a time, as the old cliche goes. You know, not getting too far ahead of herself. You know, she's played beautifully so far. Missed only a couple of greens and a couple of fairways in two rounds. You know, birdied four over six last six holes last night. So another another very very good, very solid round. Just looks in complete control of her game at the moment. And uh, you know, it's, she's going to be hard to catch because uh, you know it's not easy to make uh, birdies on a on a classic uh, uh, course like Balls at all, you know, a very difficult, very long course with a with a lot of a lot of deep rough. So, um, you know, she's uh, she, she's the type of player who can uh, plot her way around uh, quite handily around there. And I, I I'd fancy her to to stick around for the next uh, for the next two days. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to ask you a little bit about Baltrasol. Um, you know, it, we're we're spoilt a little bit when we're watching the golf, especially when it's coming from the states, because it tends to be this beautiful weather and blistering sunshine and it's a little bit rainy and drizzly over there so far uh, New Jersey of course is, is where this course is um, uh, is that in any way a bit of an advantage to her maybe coming from over here yeah I think so I mean she said it herself last night you know nobody bat an island at the, uh, at the weather they've had for the past two days over there you know a little bit cool and a little bit of a drizzle but not nothing too much nothing that you'd have to worry too much about getting the umbrella out for anything like that uh, so you know she's She's just uh, plodding along quite nicely. Uh, she's well used to the you know tough conditions, having uh, been brought up here, obviously. So uh, you know it's not going to it's not going to bother her. She's just uh, a fairways and greens type of player, and uh, she's holding a few putts as well, which always goes down well in a major. So you know, I think she's she's you know, this is a former world amateur number one. She's won twice in the LPGA Tour. She's you know had a, a fantastic Solheim Cub debut there a couple of years ago as well. Well used to well used to pressure. So uh, you know, uh, I think uh, she's really going to be a tough. Uh, she's going to be a tough opponent for these girls chasing her over the next two days. She, she seems like a very calm and relaxed character. I mean, you know, this is a major. It does add that element, uh, that extra element to it. You know, she wants to try and join the likes of Rory McIlroy and Lowry and Harrington and Graham McDowell and Clark, all the major winners. You know, it, it just adds that extra little dimension to it. But she seems a very calm and collected type of person. Yeah, she is. She's a very, uh, she's a very cool, calm, uh, collected type of person. You're right there. I mean, she's, you know, she's done it all in her in her amateur career. She was, you know, world amateur number one for a record number of weeks until uh, uh, Rose Zhang, who's just uh, won her first pro outing there a couple of weeks ago, uh, came came along and, and, and uh, you know beat her record. But uh, you know, she's just a t- t- tremendous talent to come out of Ireland. You know, the biggest talent to come out of Irish golf since since Rory McIlroy really you know she's been uh, you know destined for this kind of stuff you know from from day one I mean I remember playing golf with her and her sister when they were when they were 10 years of age and I don't want to tell you the result of the, <laughs> the match but uh, absolutely hammered by these two 10 year olds from Gavin uh, when they were uh, you know uh, just coming on the scene so just unbelievable uh, talent you know not the longest hitter in the world but just extremely precise great short game and just incredibly uh, dogged and determined I mean that's 
that's really what uh, sums up Leon Maguire, just determination. Well, let's hope that she can uh, hold on there and continue to produce that wonderful golf and get the result. Not the only uh, Irish golfer doing well either. It's Jordanstown's Stephanie Meadow. She's just four shots uh, behind uh, in a tie for eight spot and, uh, you know, one under. So a, a good 68 from her. So, like, uh, her form pretty decent at the moment too. Yeah, yeah. Stephanie's been showing signs of a return to form in the last in in the last few weeks. You know, a bit of a slow start to the season for her. But, you know, she's 31. She's been around the block at this stage. You know, her very first major, you know, first her first professional event actually was a, a U.S. Women's Open, you know, where I think she finished third, you know, which is, uh, you know, shows that, you know, she's got that type of game as well, that does well in majors, that, you know, she's able to find fairways, find greens. It's not all about shooting the lights out as Leon had to do last week uh, uh, in the uh, in the major LPG Classic where she won on 21 under. This is, uh, this is about, you know, par golf is usually... Uh, you know, excellent uh, in a major championship, and uh, Stephanie had a great round yesterday. You know, another, same as Leona, three under par sixty-eight, and she's she's right there, one under par, very much in contention. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, hopefully she'll continue to have a good round as well. Okay, uh, onto the men's now, and you mentioned that there beforehand, U.S. Open last week, everybody staying up till the wee hours to to try and see if Rory could get the job done. I don't think. I don't know, could he have done much more? We were chatting about it yesterday. He's playing fantastic golf at the moment. It just seems to be that when he's getting beaten, somebody just pulls out the round of their lifetime uh, to just pip him at the post. And <laughs> you're kind of wondering, when is it going to be the breakthrough for him again just to get a victory on the on the cards? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just got to keep putting yourself in those positions, as he said himself, you know, after... Uh after the uh, Sunday's final final round in LA, he just keeps putting himself up there and keeps uh, uh, knocking on the door. One of these days, it's, it's going to open for him. You know, obviously, he didn't hold any putts really in that final round in LA uh, on, on Sunday. Hold a lot of putts yesterday, though. You know, hold a huge number of putts from the, sort of the fifteen to sort of twenty-five foot range. Uh, you know, and that's uh, that's what you're going to have to do in these uh, regular PGA Tour events, where uh, you know the scoring has been very low. Uh, uh, so far this week in Connecticut, you know, and he's uh, he's playing nicely. Just one little mistake towards the end of his round yesterday, hit it in the water on the uh, on the eighth hole where he'd had a hole in one the day before. So, uh, you know, six under sixty four. You know, he's in a he's in a very nice position. You know, tied for tenth place on eight under par. Uh, you know, so he's uh, just uh, seven shots behind Denny McCarthy and Keegan Bradley. So, you know, he's in in, in an excellent position. He is in an excellent position. Seven shots seems it does still seem like a lot, but you know, I'm just looking at the cards. And Denny McCarthy is 60 in round one. Keegan Bradley is 62 and a 63. Uh, Ravy is 64 and a 63. These scores are just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there's been very little wind. The course is soft, you know, and uh, the slightly uh, easier test for the guys after the US Open as well. Mm. Uh, you know, it's a very popular event, great crowds, uh, you know, and it's always uh, generally low scoring as well. But yeah, that's been the tremendous tremendous scoring so far you know Denny McCarthy is you know one of the best putters uh, on the PGA Tour he was beating the playoff for the Memorial just uh, a couple of weeks ago by Victor Hovland so you know he's right on form Keegan Bradley's been playing very well you know all year really you know so uh, no, no surprise to see see them right up there you know and, and Rory uh, you know doing doing what he does <laughs> shooting 68 really you know average 
seems to be his average score these days. You mm. know? So he's uh, he's he's certainly um, you know going to be the guy that they'll be looking out for today. You know Shane Larry there as well. Yeah, absolutely you know, on on, se- on seven under as well. You know played well in the U.S. Open. He looks like he's just about to hit you know really top form. You know maybe uh, with the Open coming up in a, in you know three three four weeks time, maybe he's a guy we we should be looking out for as well. So you know it's a plenty of Irish interest. Uh, uh, in Connecticut today, yeah. As you mentioned, uh, this course maybe uh, might suit Lowry, you know, with his uh, incredible short game as well uh, and the accuracy he has on that, as you said, 7 under, a good 64 opening round and the 60, followed up by 69. So if he could have a, a big day today and bang in a load of birdies, uh, he won't be far off it either. Yeah, well, you know, he needs certainly to make a few FedEx Cup points. You know, he needs to you know be in that top 70 to make the playoffs. So, uh, you know, he, he could do it a big week because uh, this is going to be his last week over there uh, for a while. He'll be home uh, for the Scottish Open and, uh, and the Open Championship then. And then, then you're pretty much into the, into the playoffs after that. So he needs, you know, a couple of good weeks. At GA with Declan Drake and Sean Lane for the next few minutes here on the programme. And Championship 2023 across all codes is really gearing up. On this morning's section, we hear from Dublin football boss Desi Farrell on his side's victory over Sligo in Cavan last Sunday, which secured a place in the last eight. We also hear from hurling boss Michal Donoghue, whose team beat Carlo to qualify for their quarterfinal clash with Clare at the Gaelic Grounds in Limerick this evening. Our regular hurling analyst Sean Lane is in the studio with us too look ahead to that and indeed the game which will follow that which is between Galway and Tipperary in Limerick uh, this evening but first of all this morning we're going to wish the very very best to our minor footballers who will be in the All-Ireland Minor Football Championship semi-final tomorrow evening at 5.30 at the Athletic Grounds in Armagh they're taking on the young men of Derry that's going to be a very very tough task but I would say confidence is high amongst the group particularly with the manner of the comeback win against Cork last time out so the very best of luck to the boys uh, there tomorrow uh, in their continuing bid to bring the Tom Markham Cup back to the capital some other news from around the county just in relation to hurling the CCC of the Dublin County Board during the week announced that all Division 1 to 4 adult hurling league games scheduled for this evening have been uh, pushed back to tomorrow morning to facilitate as many hurling supporters as possible to try and get to Limerick this evening to support uh, the senior hurlers there. A good move there from the County Board and speaking of the County Board it lost one of its great stalwarts over the last uh, week or so Donald Hickey, who was a former secretary and chairman of Nafina, sadly passed away. And indeed, he was development officer of the Dublin uh, County Board as well and a permanent feature and always a most welcoming figure at Parnell Park when there was matches and indeed meetings on as well. So sympathies to Donald's family, all his colleagues at Nafina and Dublin GAA there as well. Just one other fixture to mention taking place this afternoon at St. Bridget's there, uh, Russell Park at three o'clock. The Dublin Senior Foot Men's Masters are taking on Leash in round four of their championship. So if you're around the Blanche area this afternoon and uh, looking for some sporting entertainment, that's the place to be. We're going to start now with men's football and uh, well done to the Dubs last week on their 3.23 to 8 point success over Sligo in their neutral venue of Kingspan Brefney Park. Two wins from three in Group 3 to qualify automatically for the All-Ireland quarter-final. Conor Callaghan of Kula, Colin Baskell, Valley Bowden, St. Enders and Owen Murchin of Nafina with the goals for the Blues. After the game, I took the opportunity to speak to Dubs boss Desi Farrell and included in this piece are his thoughts on playing away from Crow Park. 
I thought we were clinical. Um, this second period of the first half, uh, we kicked into gear, uh, came out after half time, and um, continued in that vein. When there was, there was perhaps the the possibility to step off at that stage, you know, we didn't, and we sort of went after that at half time and uh, made made sure we put it to bed. So, um, so yeah, just it showed um, an element of rootlessness. Although there's always room for improvement in that area, but uh, yeah, happy enough with that. And a player who's matured very well over the last couple of games has been Colly Basquel. He's really taken the opportunity with both hands that has been handed to him and another goal for you today. Yeah, Colly's been um, he's been working really hard on his game and. Uh, uh, he's, you know, he's all in, Collie. He's uh, 100%, and uh, it had probably hasn't worked out for him in the past the way he would have liked it. But he's definitely shown us uh, what he's capable of this season. And in terms of squad strength, I mean, Jack McCaffrey, Kieran Kilkenny back on the pitch today. Okay, Davy Byrne wasn't, but you're nearly there now in terms of of, of your full squad being available yeah. to you. Yeah, obviously. Um, picked up a, a knock there with Sean Bugler so I'm not entirely sure what the full picture is there yet but uh, it, it was it was good to see Jack back on the pitch on Morton uh, Kieran Kilkenny as well so it's um, yeah you know and at the end of the day you need a little bit of luck around sort of player availability and having all the all the uh, key men available to you when, when it comes to the crunch and uh, for, for us we're, we're delighted to come out of Crow Park I know there's this thing about Crow Park but you saw it here again today you know there's there's a different stimulus for our players when we travel the fans and uh, there's a bit of a connection there with the supporters around that and there's a different buzz and even in the dressing room in the hotel beforehand you can feel like we actually do genuinely appreciate getting away because it's uh, Crow Park can be it's a brilliant pitch and brilliant stadium, but it can be run of the mill. So uh, having that different uh, stimulus, um, I think our lads really respond well. We saw it in Port Leash against uh, when we played Leash, and uh, we saw it here today as well. I think the jury's probably still out. From my perspective, it's um, it's games, it's competition, it's something different. Uh, it's a little bit there's that novelty factor for sure there's also the curiosity in terms of trying to figure it out and really understand uh, what, what what the lie of the land is or, or what you can expect so um, but you know even just hearing some of the chatter inside in the dressing room afterwards you know some of the other games were in the balance and uh, teams being turned over perhaps or whatnot. you know so um, I think overall it's very positive yeah yeah, certainly, and Desi can uh, sit back and uh, watch uh, the bloodletting tomorrow afternoon, indeed this evening as well, as the preliminary quarterfinals take place. And I don't think there's much doubt about the main match of the weekend in that respect is their Galway and Mayo and Salt Hill tomorrow afternoon. To think that Mayo, considering the start that they made to the championship with a victory over Kerry in Kerry, could find themselves out of the championship in the preliminary quarterfinals. So from that point of view, the system has worked. Needs tweaking, of course, but uh, no, all good things do. I suppose once they get up and running anyway that's uh, on that to the ladies player team now they lost their opening TG Car Championship game to Kerry at Parnell Park last Saturday 2-8 to 1-9 was the full time score in favour of the Kingdom who backed up their victory over the Blues in the league in Killarney earlier in the year Orlan Olin Volunteer St John's was the Dublin goal scorer they're on the road tomorrow in their second game of the group they play Cavan at 2 o'clock at Kingspan Breffney Park now word of warning my friends if you are travelling to Cavan tomorrow be careful of Virginia. Very serious tailbacks in and out of the town there last Sunday. 45 minutes to get into the town last Sunday. If you can avoid it at all tomorrow, please do save yourself an awful lot of grief. We wish Mick and the girls every success there tomorrow. 
Okay, on Dublin's Talking Sport now on Sunshine 106.8, we're going to turn our attention to hurling. And uh, last Saturday evening, Dublin qualified for the quarterfinal of the Senior Hurling Championship with a 2.25 to 21 point success over Carlo at Netwatch Cullen Park. Mark Rogan and Keane O'Sullivan with the goals there for the Dubs, who set up this evening's quarterfinal clash with Clare in Limerick from four o'clock. We'll be looking ahead to that with Sean Lane after we hear now from Dubs boss Michal Dunhu, who yeah, happy with, with the result obviously uh, we knew coming down that it was going to be a, a big challenge you know Carlo on the back of winning the Joe McDonough it, w- it was uh, a big opportunity for them you know because it was a home game they had a huge crowd here and the atmosphere was, was really good uh, in fairness there was a nice breeze there as well they elected to go with it in the first half so we had to defend well you know I think we were 13-12 at half time uh, you know level a lot with them maybe over the first 35-40 minutes but uh, you know it's half time we just addressed a few things and in fairness the lads pushed on well in the second half Started off with Mark Rogan's goal what six minutes in? Yeah and in fairness to him you know he takes up great positions uh, he's playing really well for us in his first year and uh, he, when the opportunity presented itself he, he took it really well Let's be pleased with the overall spread of scores particularly from the midfield I think the two lads contributed 1-5 in the afternoon all told Yeah look they're, they're, they're moving well and and for us, you know, we're just delighted that they, they've reached the All-Ireland quarter-final. They, they've worked really hard over the last few months. And, uh, you know, for us, it's about amassing experience in big knockout games. You know, today obviously was a knockout game and we can look forward now to a quarter-final next week against Clare. Yeah, it was a serious test today because there was obviously there's no safety net after today. You're either through or, or, or you're out. And you have achieved your initial objective since you came in as manager last year to get to this particular stage of the competition. It will be against Clare now next weekend. The only question, I suppose, is, is where and when. Where would you like to see it played? Uh, look, it's hard to know. Uh, I suppose it's a bit, good bit of speculation about Parky Cueve and Limerick. Uh, you know, maybe with four teams, if it's... Uh, I don't know, is it going to be individual days or, or two or uh, uh, both games on together so like if it is maybe Crow Park would be a better option but that, that won't be my decision Just looking at the team again today Michal D- Donald Burke was uh, heavily strapped up on, on his right knee um, he's, he played pretty, pretty much the full 70 minutes today so there's no doubts or concerns about his potential fitness is there? No look he picked up a knock and uh, obviously he had to get it strapped but you know he, he did 68-69 minutes there's no reason which was good for him Yes, it was very good for him and very important that Donald is fit and uh, firing on all cylinders for the game against Clare this evening, which I'm going to look forward to now in the company of uh, Sean Lane, who joins us here in the studio, our regular hurling analyst. Uh, good morning to you, Sean. Morning, Declan. How are you? Very good, very good. Championship 2023 really gets serious today. Well, it was serious enough last week because if they'd lost to Carlo, they were out. Uh, thankfully, they didn't. A 2.25 to 21-point victory on the day as you say goals from Mark Rogan and Keane O'Sullivan 10 point win in the end Carlo did make them battle hard though for it they did Declan uh, definitely and, and uh, you know we, we might talk about the structure later on or in, in the off season but uh, they did and they, they kept with us toe to toe for a long way and, and, and as you said the two goals particularly the one at the end kind of killed off the game but, but uh, Mark Rogan's goal uh, just after half time it kind of gives a little bit of comfort but you know when you're watching it like there was very very little in it Carlo were, were you know worthy to be playing at that level and it, you know um, it took all our might to get away from them but, but get away from them we did and won by 10 points Made the point there to me all in the piece about the midfielders Mark Rogan and, and Chris O'Leary uh, the, the scores that they contributed between them 1-5 and it's important for players further out the field to be able to contribute to the score sheet like the two boys did last week Yeah 
yeah. And, and Declan won five from midfield in, in this day and age is, is, is tremendous scoring. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, if you go into the half forward line, Danny Sutcliffe seems to be coming back with a bit of form as well. He got three points from play. Um, you know, Donald Burke, look, we know where Donald is. I mean, if Donald has an outstanding game um, the weekend here, we're, we're, we're talking about a very shortlisted guy for an all star. Uh, there's one or two lads have to get back to form. I know Keno Sullivan got a late goal, but. Probably over the course of the 70 minutes need to add more and Keane Bowler needs to try and come back and give us a game like he did in Dungarvan where he was man of the match. Uh, you know, if all of them can keep going today, you know, you know, anything can happen. So the reward is this game against Clare this evening in the Gaelic grounds. We're talking to Michal there about his thoughts on where the game might be played. Um, when I spoke to him last Saturday evening, it was, of course, eventually announced on Monday that it is the Gaelic grounds this evening from four o'clock. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's the third time Clare have played Championship hurling there this year. What are your own thoughts on the selection of the venue? Well, look like Michal, I'd love to have seen a double header in Crow Park. Um, you know, at very worst, a double header in in in, in um, um probably unfair to to um, Galway if, if Tipperary at home there. But it's a little bit far to go from a Dublin perspective to be passing Torles and passing Crow Park and all the way over to to Limerick but look at the end of the day that's where the game is we'll have to deal with it it's a fine pitch uh, it's going to be the same for all four teams but, but to answer your question I, I, Clare definitely have a little bit of an advantage having played in it three times in such a, a short space of time but look at it, the end of the day once the ball is thrown in and the game is on five or ten minutes the venue will be you know irrelevant but I suppose when you're preparing and all that like you know you know, Clare will know you know the first 20 minutes where the goalposts are at each end so it's probably a small advantage They have been hurling perhaps at a higher standard in the Munster Championship I mean they beat Limerick in their round robin and they lost narrowly to them in the Munster final and probably could and maybe should have won that particular day as well so they're battle hardened coming into this game as well so what has to fall into place for Dublin today to, to, to get the result yeah, you, you're definitely right on that. But I've seen that Declan working the other way, where where you know you do get four top class games uh, in Munster. You're, you're looking down the road to playing Dublin. You're kind of say, well, these won't be as good as the four teams we've just played, and and they might take their foot off slightly off the the the, the pedal. But um, for Dublin, to be honest with you, Declan, the, the, you know, the, there's two or three hours we we need to get six or seven points out of the three of them from play. Um, Donald to keep playing the way he is I think we've been very solid at the back all year so I, I love Paddy Smith back in the full back line with Owen O'Donnell uh, and as I said to you previously Conor Burke at centre back is, is, is a revelation I think Darrell Gray is playing reasonably well as well so realistically if, you know and look at everybody knows the answer to these things but it's very hard to manage the, the answer uh, I, I would genuinely think we'd be so tight at the back the same as we were against Kilkenny down in Nolan Park where we didn't concede a goal probably didn't push on early enough that day but do you know at the end of the day if we can be solid at the back make, give them very few loose ball you know ensure that they don't get green flags and if a couple of our guys we get the same return from the middle of the park from young Grogan and from, from young O'Leary uh, and a couple of forwards can step up with those extra scores there won't be too much in this second. And remember, if I spoke to 10 people this week, I've spoken to 20 people this week, and everybody just says, oh, no, 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 Claire will win that. I, I, I've, I won't say I have my doubts about it, but I'd like to see it through. I, I think that uh, it could be a very similar game to the dublin Carlo game in reverse, if you get my thing. I think that Dublin can stay with Claire here a long, long time in this game, and who knows how it'll finish up. Dublin's reward for finishing third in the Leinster 
championship was uh, the joust with Carlo who were the McDonough Cup winners um, and deservedly so and showed great uh, signs of promise and showed exactly why they won that competition with some of their passages of play last week but on the other side of it Tipperary finished third in Munster and took on Offaly who were beaten by Carlo in, in the McDonough Cup final and I mean the margin of victory was, was crazy at the end of the day which raises questions about the structure of the championship uh, you believe that you might have a, a solution to, to making it more equitable well, well I do and, and look you, you know you and me around a long long time Declan are you longer than me now <laughs> a lot longer than you I think <laughs> but but the point I'll make on it is um, you know that game uh, Offaly and, and Tipperary it did neither team any good and we'll see how it affects t- Tipperary t- this evening Um I, I'd have a view that, that like, w- when you've got Offaly and you've got um, Carlo, now Carlo won the Joe McDonough Cup and they definitely deserve a shot. I believe they deserve a shot at home in their own pitch, whoever wins that. But the opposition I'd have for that would be who's ever fourth in Munster and who's ever fourth in Leinster, they'd actually play off the day of the, um, the Mc- Joe McDonough final and that the winner then of the Joe McDonough would be the eighth team to play the winner of. And in, in this year, if we take the example, it would be Cork would play Wexford, uh, and the winner of that would be back in the All-Ireland playing the winners of the Joe McDonough away from home. Uh, and I think that would be only fair. And, and, and uh, you know, not that I'm, you know, and I have great time for Cork people and Wexford people. They're two of my favourite counties. But to see them out of it and to see... Offaly being hammered the way they were it didn't do Offaly any good and particularly Offaly the amount of good work that's been going on in Offaly between beating in a minor final beating a 21 uh, another 20 final you know it, it's probably taken a lot of the good work away from some of these young lads and uh, we don't need to do that we need a couple of more counties involved in GAA Don Logan's on about the TV all the time we need you know the GAA's failed hurling I don't actually agree with that but at the same time you know we do need another one or two teams over the next five years to come across the threshold and be competing for a Leinster Championship medal or, or a Munster Championship medal we do have the yo-yo effect don't we Carlo went up and that's their prize for winning the McDonough Cup as well and fair play they're in the Leinster Championship proper next year but the chances of them surviving in that in 12 months time and finding themselves back in the McDonough Cup the, the following year so maybe Don Log mightn't be that far away with what he said. Yeah he, he has a point on that and, and look if you go back and I, I don't, don't have the stats in front of me but I do know young McManus in, 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 in Antrim retired there recently and he has won two Joe McDonough's uh, Carlo I think have won it twice as well uh, Westmead you know Leash won it so you, you're, you know you'd leave out the top seven or eight or nine teams in the All-Ireland the Joe McDonough has been won by two or three different teams over the last seven or eight years. But you are right, it's a great question. Nobody has gone up there and said, like, you know, we're staying here and, and appeared in a Leinster senior final um, afterwards. So there's a bit of work to be done there, and you know, on the ground with between coaches, etc., etc., to try and push them up that, that next level. Well, I think as regards, you know, qualifying for a final, that's a very, very tall ask, to say the least, when you've got Galway and Kilkenny ahead of you and Dublin as well. It, mm. it must be said who are contenders now and will hope to push on next year and qualify for a Leinster final. But to the second second game in Limerick this afternoon Tipperary they have qualified by virtue of that facile victory over Offaly they're playing Galway who you would have to ask questions about their mentality their, their mental state coming into this game after the way the Leinster final uh, ended for them is Henry the man to lift them there today can you see them beating Tip and moving on to the semi-final it's going to be very difficult Declan um, and, and you know Henry 
is a brilliant manager, was a brilliant player. But would would would, would Henry or would any Kilkenny man be able to guide people through a, a big setback like that? Or I, I'm not too sure in the sense that they're usually the people that inflict the, those kind of beatings on it. Henry, you know, and he'll know how to go at this. That, but there is a, a very short distance between trying to sort out the issue, sit guys down and say, look, these things can happen, etc., etc. If you tried to do that over a short period of time, you're not going to convince 30 lads by talking about it for an hour in a once-off. You're going to have to have individual meetings, etc., etc., with, with, with individuals. But that's the biggest barrier. Can Henry get Galway back to to where they were? Um, you know, let's be clear to Galway now. There were eight points down, particularly Kenny, with about 20 minutes to go. And over a 15 or 16-minute period, they went two up and stayed there right to the very death. Uh, and I'm sorry, there were ten points down to us in in Crow Park, and and went twelve down as well straight after half time. And Donald Burke got two frees that day; could have put them fourteen down, but they did come back, etc. So, so there's definitely something happening there. But I, I just think they've bigger issues, Declan. I mean, they conceded four twenty one. Now, if I just take three of the quick goals, I mean, Killian Buckley came up in the end, stood on the twenty five yard line. Nobody on them. Galway had to defend the goal. Fine. Ball came out to him. He stuck the ball in the net. The uh, goal earlier in, in, in the game, Henry or Walter, Walsh caught a puck out, turned around. Now, Walter wouldn't be the fastest man in the field. Walter's there a long, long time. He's there since 2012. Put the ball in his hurley and ran 40 yards and stuck the ball in the bottom corner. And in the, other, the last goal I mentioned is Mikey Butler came up from cornerback. No one followed him. And all, all of a sudden he found himself on the 14-yard line. He went past the 21 and stuck the ball in the bottom corner. If Galway give away goals like that to Tipperary, and, and with Tipperary, with Seamus Callanan, Noel McGrath, Jason Ford, Jake Morris, these guys can score goals. Um, you know, Galway won't be at the race to say. But that's the one thing they have to do, is stop giving away goals. Right. They scored enough, Declan. Mm. They scored 226. So the burning question is then, by half past six, seven o'clock, whatever time this evening... Who's going to join Limerick and Kilkenny in the semi-finals of the Senior Hurling Championship? <laughs> well, Two words. Well, I, I, I believe Clare will, will will overcome Dublin eventually, but I, I actually, as I said to you, the amount of people I spoke to have been very dismissive of Dublin. Dublin have uh, beaten Wexford, they've drawn with Galway, they've They've beaten the McDonough. You know, the, you know they've done everything that's been asked them. Gave a good account of themselves against Kilkenny. I still think Dublin will give Clare a really good game of it. But if I was a betting man, uh, I would have to say Clare will, will, will come out of that. And the winner of the other one? The winner of the other one is, isn't thing. I sat down and had a cup of coffee yesterday with a great hurling man in the parish, Tom Hayes. He tells me that Tip and Galway met 10 times over the last number of years. Galway won 10, or Galway won 5, Kilkenny, or Tipperary won 5. I did a little bit more insight in it last night. In the last four times they've met, uh, uh, Galway won 3, Tip have won 1. But the winning margin in all four games, Declan, was one point. Galway went on and won the All-Ireland one year and Tip went on and won the All-Ireland another year. So there's going to be very little in it. If I was to call it, I just think Galway could get over that one. I think, and everybody's kind of talking about Tip, I think Galway could, I I, have great faith in Henry. Okay, Galway and Clare to advance, says Sean Lane uh, from this evening's quarterfinals. The best of luck to me all and the boys down there in Limerick from four o'clock this evening. Sean, just in a couple of minutes that we've left, just want to discuss the events during the week about the ladies, uh, the camogie and the ladies football. A powerful statement made by them during the week uh, about... uh, 
playing the rest of the championship under protest for various reasons. Um, it reminded me of the time Donald Logan, the boys, led Cork in way back when for their famous... Oh, that was a strike situation. Mm. We're not at, at that level yet with, with, with the ladies, but a real statement of intent made by those captains during the week on behalf of their colleagues at inter-county level. Absolutely, and, and let, let's, let's not hide behind this. Let's be out front. They're 100% right. They have to be treated the way they deserve to be treated. They're putting in the same effort that everybody else is, boys and girls. Uh, our own club, we've, we've probably more girls playing sport than, than, than boys in our club, and probably most clubs are the same. Um, they have to be treated. I mean, to have a girl play camogie or ladies football for Cork and have to go from one venue to the other, driving her own car, no expenses. Let's be absolutely clear here, Declan. If that was a Dublin footballer or a Kerry footballer and had to do the same, they'd have got a helicopter, which would be paid for, would have a pilot, etc., etc., you know, we, we're getting great entertainment. We're going to watch a Ladies World Cup. We, we've the golf. We've all of this, you know, coming up. We, we need to make sure that... Because let's be clear, in three years' time, everybody will be treated equally. Let's get there. Let's get it sorted. Let's get it done quickly. And let's pay the due attention that it deserves. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by the one and only Alan Cawley. Good morning, Al. How are you? I'm good, Reggie. How are you? Oh, not so bad at all now. Looking forward to another good weekend of sport. Um, we watched the game on Monday night. Just a quick recap on that. Uh, no surprises with the result. Took us a while to get there, but does this uh, give enough of a stay for you from the Stephen Kenny chat? Yeah, it was so disappointing last weekend, Reggie, and I'm still trying to get over the Greece game because, as you well know, I wanted Stephen, like so many in the country, to do so well and succeed. And it's just taken such a dent, um, I suppose, in his future plans, the, the result last week. And not so much the result. You can accept the defeat, especially against Greece. And we've no divine right, especially when you look at our recent results, to go to any European nation and, and think we're going to roll them over. But it was the manner of the performance and the defeat. And it was so disappointing and so damaging, I think, to Stephen. Monday was a non-event, really. We were always going to beat Gibraltar. I took nothing out of the game. I asked only the fact that Gibraltar were probably the worst team I've ever seen playing the Aviva Stadium. Uh, and I include our League of Ireland teams that play here for the FEI Cup final as well. They were atrocious, Gibraltar. Mm. But just in terms of Stephen going forward, it just feels like we're out of the campaign before it's even started, Reggie. And that's the most disappointing thing. And I know mathematically, obviously, we're not but it's such an uphill task to think that we can beat Netherlands, France and, and Greece again at home, especially when you look at the results that we've had. Um, and I think Stephen, for the first time, is hanging on just by a tread. Yeah, a lot of chat now coming through from commentators. Just uh, enough, let let them at it and let them finish it out and see where we go from there. Um, I suppose that's kind of what has to happen, really, because I mean you can't bring anybody else in at this stage. I'm a bit torn on that to be honest with you Reggie and I was always for Stephen as you know but like if we're out of the campaign and I know we're not I, like I keep saying we're out of it I know we're not mathematically but I mean like it's such an uphill task can you see us getting anything out of those games mm. and coming like it's obviously France away you lose that it's doom and gloom again and that's going to be the toughest of them all possibly because Netherlands are struggling at the moment you may get something off them at home as well and, and we obviously raise our game against the better teams as well but I don't know, I really don't. For the first time, I suppose the best way of me phrasing it, for the first time since Stephen has come in, I'm really questioning it. 
Yeah, okay. Well, we'll have to, uh, let's just leave it and see how it unfolds because um, there'll be a lot more debate on that and more positive uh, conversation is to turn towards the women and just that um, result during the week's uh, 3-2. You know, a very good result. We had Amber Barrett on earlier in the show talking about that two goals and MVP in that game. Uh, And a huge amount to look forward to this summer with the World Cup and um, squad and Announcement next week. Uh, nervous times for a lot of the the, the girls, but uh, you know, I think there's an awful lot of positivity around this team and um, hope that this is going to be a really good World Cup campaign. Oh, absolutely, Reggie. There's huge positivity. Uh, you only have to look at the scenes from Tala the other night, and obviously the first half performance wasn't what we'd expect, uh, but they bounced back really well in the second half. But I think to be fair, the game the other night was, as you say, there's girls on tenter hooks trying to see will they be on the plane or not, and there was obviously a lot of nervousness in the performance and girls feeling as though they'll only get 45 minutes to try and impress and that's a very difficult situation you were probably better coming off the bench in the game the other night and trying to make an impact rather than starting so um, but the, Vera obviously has to make those tough decisions I think she's going to name the squad on Thursday so there will be a few disappointed girls and but that's the nature of the game Reggie but just the fact that we're there and we qualified for the World Cup it's brilliant and there's going to be lots of opportunities for these girls going forward a lot of them are very young in the 31 named squad as well so there will be opportunities going forward but I think what's coming up for them in the next three or four weeks is going to be absolutely amazing it'll be almost like Italian 90 all over again for those girls and I think it'll be absolutely brilliant I'm really looking forward to it and for us supporters as well it'll be like that because we are looking forward to that and it is something great uh, that we're going to cover in detail here over the course of the summer Okay, turn our attention to the uh, SSE Electricity now text in this morning from Grode C on his way up to Dungannon Uh, disappointed Drahada fan after uh, the result uh, last night against um, uh, Dundalk so you know some interesting results again yeah, I must flag as well, Reggie, before we start. Uh, a disappointed Stewart in Daily Mount last night. He made sure to make a point that on sunshine he says he wants more football, less rugby. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 think, I, I, I think that's a fair point, but uh, when, when the football comes up to that, that standard, we get more. when you get into studio here, you can take over a bit more. <laughs> no problem, Reggie. But um, yeah, I was in Daily Mount last night. Just on that draw, the one very disappointed because they went 1-0 up and a man sent off and that's cost and I think they had chances before that to, to push on and maybe put the game to bed but they didn't do that and it's been the story of draw the season they've been so good so competitive um, outperforming the resources really and they've had lots of opportunities even in those games to earn more points the games that they've lost so that's disappointing for them the game in Daily Mount was absolutely brilliant Reggie I'm not sure if you saw it, but it was an absolute cracker and this Dublin derby never disappoints especially since Bohemians have really kind of rose to the challenge of been up around those European places and, and pushing Shamrock Rovers and they fell 2-0 behind last night probably yeah. not deserved because the first half even though Shamrock Rovers had all the possession they didn't really create anything and Bowes had the best of the chances in the first half then they came out in, for, in the first five minutes of the second half and they had two goals on the board and started really strong and you're looking at 2-0 thinking this is a real mountain to climb now for Bohemians but they came back with um, young James Clark got introduced midway through the second half and he really drove them forward and Afalabi who was brilliant on the night got a great goal and then James Clark who I mentioned had made such an impact he got the equaliser and it was a fantastic game fantastic atmosphere there was lovely tributes to Christy Dignam so all round it was just a good night for the league Yeah good morning Al yes the, Chris, the Christy Dignam tribute was fantastic all the way during the night particularly Kira singing Crazy World mm-hmm. at half time as well was, was particularly poignant but going back to, to Bohemians and Afalabi 
far too often this season we've seen Bowles do very well to the to the edge of the 18-yard box but fail to have the end product. Last night they had the end product when it when it counted most and uh, Offalabi's goal was, was class. It's been their Achilles heel, Declan. I had stats written up last night. If you look at Shamrock Overs before that match, they scored 44 goals. And amongst their four forwards, Rory Gaffney, Johnny Kenny, uh, Graham Burke and... Who was the other one that I had down? But uh, Aaron Green, sorry. And they had scored 21 between them, those four forwards, half the goals. The problem with Bohemians out of the 28 goals they had scored, the three forwards, Afalabi, Dean Williams, who'd have brought in, um, and Akin Tunde, they had only scored six between them. And that's been such a problem, Declan. And if you're trying to chase down the likes of Shamrock Rovers, you need your centre forward, particularly at a big club like Bohemians, hitting double figures. And Afalabi has such brilliant attributes. He was fantastic last night does such good work occupies defenders physically so strong but he just doesn't get the goals but last night he was absolutely brilliant and got the goal and I'd love to see now that he kicks on because I think Declan if you look at all the attributes he has he has he has really the potential to go back across the water if he was just a bit more clinical and that's his t- only his third league goal of the season but as I say he has plenty of time left now towards the second half of the season to kick on and hopefully go on a run of scoring goals because I think he's a really t- a really good talent this league keeps giving every week, Alan. We're getting more and more uh, from it. And uh, Monday night, there's just four points now again between um, Rovers and Derry City. And uh, they take each other on on Monday night in uh, an absolute classic of a game with Rovers at home. What way do you see it going? Yeah, I'm going up to that, uh, Reggie, and I'm really looking forward. And Derry have a good record in Tala. Uh, they'll fancy their chances as well because of the pitch and the way to play and I think that's a problem for them at home even though they got a victory at home last night but that beautiful pitch in Tala they will fancy their chances in the way to play Shamrock Rovers will be looking to bounce back but as you say the league keeps giving I was there a couple of weeks ago thinking when they opened up the six point gap and Derry were disappointing at home to Bowes thinking Shamrock Rovers will push on and then they draw points last night Derry win now it's back to four so hopefully we, we do get the race that's what I said all along that we, you want Derry to be hanging on the coattails even St. Pat's who got a victory last night Bowes themselves just hanging on in there as long as possible especially July is going to be a busy month for all the teams because they're going into Europe as well Reggie Hmm. and that can throw up a few kind of um, funny results if you like when teams are obviously distracted by maybe the European game so I just hope we have a title race but Monday will be a cracker um, and I'm looking forward to it And Pats are away to Dundalk on Monday as you said they're only one point behind Derry City so uh, that's a huge one for them going up there to try and get a result yeah, and John Daly's done brilliant. He's come in, to be fair to him. That was a big win last night, a brilliant goal as well. If you get a chance to look at it, Jake Mulraney, a fantastic free kick. Um, and again, as I say, Reggie, they're not expected to be challenging, but they are expected to be in those European places where they are. They'll hope to just hang on the coattails of Shamrock Rovers as long as possible and stay in the mix. But once they finish in Europe, I think that'll be a good season for them. But for us, we want to see as many just pushing Shamrock Rovers uh, just for the good of the league. Thanks for listening to Dublin Stock and Sport on Sunshine 106.8 from myself, Ken and Reggie. Have a good weekend.